episode 50, chapter 2 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Today we're talking with Justin Zarati about his book, Made for These Times. Justin Zarati is the founder of These Numbers Have Faces, a social enterprise investing in the next generation of African leaders. After 10 years of running the organization, Justin successfully transitioned and is now the president of Giving Fuel, an innovative fundraising platform empowering thousands of organizations worldwide. He's the author of two books, Made for These Times and Doing Work That Matters. He holds a BA in Communication Studies from Westmont College and an MA in International Conflict Resolution from Portland State University. An obsessive soccer fan and weekend landscaper, Justin lives with his family in Portland, Oregon. When it comes to following God's call on our lives, it's easy to get so wrapped up in serving God that we forget to be with Him. We get so concerned with doing the next thing and the next thing that we begin to define ourselves by what we do, not who we are in Christ. Justin calls this the pursuit of the resume virtues. But we need to stop and ask, what will they say about us at our funerals? Will they be talking about the items on our resumes? Or will they be talking about the kind of person we were? How we were kind, loving, and patient? How we treated the people around us? That's why we need to pursue, that's why we need to pursue God's calling on our lives with these eulogy virtues in mind. As Justin talks about in this chapter, it's good that we should pursue our callings, but we must but we must not seek achievements and accomplishments if we lose sight of who we are. When did you write the book in this uh in this journey? So where does you know you, you found uh these numbers have faces and then so when do you get the inspiration to write the book and and how did that come about? So I'd always felt like I wanted to write something because I didn't have a field guide when I was starting. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it was, let me write the book that I wish that I had back in 2006, essentially. Um, So that was a big part of it, of what would 23, 24-year-old Justin wish that he had that would lay out this journey, lay out how to start, how to build, how to fail, how to build folks around you. Uh, how to ma- uh, how to manage the spiritual aspects of this, and then how to transition and how to leave, uh, and that whole process. So that was I, th- I think the first part of it. I, I always wanted to do that. I always felt like I was one of those pe- those people that had a uh, book somewhere inside of them and had to come out. So mm-hmm. I, I had this also weird feeling that I just had to get it out in some ways. So that was a big part of it as well. Um, but the process then takes a long time from you know the agency to the publishing to the proposal, which is actually the worst part. That's harder than writing the real book is just the the document that then you pitch to publishers and things like that, right? So, um, you know, and then it actually ended up coming out in 2018 um, as I was finishing up, you know, a little over 10 years of running the organization and actually, and actually as I was coming toward the end of it. And that's what I think a lot of folks either don't ask about or don't want to talk about or, you know, whatever else. But the reality is, is that it came out as I was transitioning. And the final chapters of the uh, book are about how you leave the things that you love Mm -hmm. and the spiritual elements and the, um, the transformation that takes place 
when you let go. And I think that we hold on to things so tightly, be it uh, our, our views on things, be it our relationships, be it our money, be it our identity, be it the things that we start, be it whatever it is. And so the final parts of the, uh, the book came at a good time when, frankly, I was going through pain trying to let go of this thing that I had built from nothing that was my baby uh, and that I knew that it was time to uh, to uh, change. And so it, it was a cool, I think, godlike moment that I felt guilty of early on of like, how am I going to release a book about this thing that I built as I'm leaving it? This makes no sense. But actually, the end of it is really about how you leave. And it, and I got to do it in real time as I was yeah. as I was writing. So it was really powerful in that regard. The identity issue is... For me, I'm finding that to be really key, especially like as you go through your 20s, I'm finding the more people I talk to, uh, we go through our 20s and it's a time where the things that we do are somehow so wrapped up in who we are that it's it's really almost impossible to disconnect the two. And we feel like, oh, I got fired from this job. Somehow my who I am is now lacking or the thing that I've tried to do has been taken from me and now I'm somehow lacking or less than. And especially you talk to people who are doing ministry jobs, they have this, this moment, usually sometime in their 20s, where they have uh, what we call just a, a huge hit. And all of a sudden, their worldview comes crashing down because their identity was wrapped up in what they were doing rather than who they are as uh, sons or daughters of God. And for me, when it comes to, to letting go or, or, or failure, it, it's it's always come back to this issue of identity. Who am I? And is that wrapped up in what I'm doing? Uh, or am I doing out of who I am? It's just, I am the kind of person that, that goes out and starts these companies to help people. And, and if that's the way it happens here for 10, 12 years, then that's great. But after that's done, I'm going to go do something else. And who I am doesn't change through all of that process. And that man, that is such an important piece. And the thing that I wish that I knew early on, and I wrapped up myself so deeply enmeshed into this thing, the success and failure of it was deeply like just driven stakes, like into my heart yeah, and mind yeah. and soul. And so when we would experience setbacks, when things would be hard, it would affect my whole person mm. and it would affect my, my uh, relationships. It would drive me to anxiety. It would drive me to all of my like dangerous vices even, you mm -hmm. know, and, um, and it is so challenging. I think that's also where the enemy meets us too, is like, if yes. you mess this up, your entire world is going to come crashing down and, and like, and then you are nobody. Mm -hmm. And so much of, and I talk about in the uh, book and reference uh, Stephen Pressfield's book, uh, The Art or The uh, War of Art, um, is around turning pro. And a big part of turning pro is re is realizing that you are not your job description, mm -hmm. and being able to make that really distinct separation to realize that you are your identity is in Christ and Christ alone, and how you manage that is critical for su for success of you know whatever you do. I also talk about it in the book. I'm so grateful, I think, for, again, people, other folks, like your friends who who don't see you as the guy or a, or a girl who built this thing as successful as it is or not, who see you just as you. Um, my wife, I think I read about it in the book, said something like, you know, I would I would mm -hmm. love you the same if you made sandwiches at Subway. Mm -hmm. And that, like, for some reason, in these, like, moments of pain was like, you don't care that I, like, built this yeah. successful social enterprise? And, she, and then, and, and she's like, no, and frankly, you're like on planes all the time and gone and it sucks, you know? So, I mean, she doesn't really see me in that, in that way at all. And 
And the more that, uh, I think the more people who we can surround ourselves with that, and then the more that we're able to push through and realize that our failures, our successes are not wrapped up in who we are uh, in a really core way is so valuable going mm-hmm. forward. You know, that's a good point. I didn't, I didn't read it like that in the book when you said, when she said that to you, I would love you. Um, even if you made sandwiches, I, I didn't think about it as like, wait, 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 you don't care about what I'm doing. Um, cause I full disclosure, I can sometimes feel that way about my wife. I'm like, Hey, why don't you listen to the podcast? Like we've had, you know, such and such a guest on and you know, it's she's just, like, eh. yeah, she, you know, she's wanting to listen to the office ladies podcast or something like that, which, you know, I get it. But, <laughs> um, uh, and so, but that's a really good point. It, it's more about those people seeing you for who you are, not for what you do. Um, yeah. another way you sort of put, put some of these things, Josh and I are always going back and forth and debating being versus doing, and you know, how can we make sure we're putting that? Um, and you, yeah. you painted a really good picture. I think you said you took it from somebody else so you can credit them or I'll give it to you. Probably. Um, which was the, uh, resume virtues versus the eulogy virtues. Oh, yeah. Um, David Brooke. yeah, just this idea yep. that, you know, th- that's such a good, clear picture to say, you know, who, who, who am I? How do I see myself? And if everything that you think about yourself is just stuff that you've put on the resume, um, you're putting it in the wrong camp. And really, you should be focused on those things that people are going to say about you at your death, who you really are. Those are the things that are really going to matter in the long run. Absolutely, man. Yeah, and it comes from from uh, David Brooks's road to character. And um, I I hear those stories um, about people, like random people that are not, famous. They didn't write a book. They didn't start a movie. They're not some successful businessman. They're not a pastor. It's just like Frank, like regular guy who then has his funeral who passes. And it's like overflow capacity where like thousands of folks show up for someone um, who didn't do something in like the eye, in the eyes of the world. But for some reason he was just these like impactful people who see other, other people who make connections, who do kind things, who are compassionate. And those are the elements that just make people connect to him. And I've heard those stories here and there, just like little things of just, um, when a funeral happens and something miraculous happens, if I kind of, who shows up, I think it was, uh, like, uh, glamorized in that, uh, movie, big fish or something where when he dies, it happens anyway. Oh yeah. 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 Cut that from the podcast. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, like, you know, uh, that's. But I, there are real time examples of that, and um, but I think that it it does though just speak to this concept of the of a eulogy versus resume, and we live in a such a capitalistic society that just puts so many merits and trophies and awards on top of success and about the whole thing. And um, man, I just don't think that that's it. And frankly, if we're gonna be Christ followers called to a revolutionary upside down kingdom. Uh, we kind of reject that stuff and mm-hmm. we actually focus on the small things. We focus on the um, the uh, interactions with regular people on a regular day that if you can't be uh, kind and, and uh, connected and compassionate with your bank teller, then who are you, you know, when it comes to uh, following uh, who Christ is in the world? And so that's that, I think there's part of it there, too, about uh, small stuff matters and that uh, our interactions every single day regular day discipleship stuff do we return our shopping cart or, or not do mm. we connect with folks do we uh, do these small things do we um even like in positions of power that you know we may be in and seeing other people in this world who maybe don't have some of those same things how do we navigate that stuff these are real world things and we put so much weight on the big stuff did you 
you know, found the company, get the degree, go to some Ivy League school, do this and this. And I just think in the end, man, like the stuff that matters is that uh, eulogy virtues and how we connect with real people on a uh, everyday basis. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> what was the process of learning that lesson like for you? What was the what was the catalyst for really understanding? I need to be putting more work into these eulogy virtues than the young 20 something who says, I'm going to be looking at all of these things that I can put on my resume. I think it came from, I think firstly from my parents, my mom is one of those people. Um, she's a <laughs> hilariously, uh, really strong Enneagram two, first and foremost, if that connects to you at all. And, um, I remember her downtown in the little town that I grew up in would see tourists with their like maps out and she would like hover around them to be like, maybe they will ask me to help them and I can like <laughs> help them do something. And she's always that like person who's like, when someone is sick, she's like the first one at their house with a casserole and, uh, you know, like talking on the phone and getting everyone mobilized at the hospital. She's like one of those people. And so like, in a really small way. So I think it kind of came from that, I suppose. Um, and just seeing kindness modeled, um, you know, kind of back to some of the like the uh, power dynamics, you know, like we had a house cleaner who came like once a month and my mom like taught herself Spanish so that so that she could like interact better mm. with uh, Dolores and like, you know, connected with her kids and not in a, a patronizing like, you know, we happen to pay you type of thing, but in a real like honest connection mm. type of way and cared about her, cared about her family and advocated for them, um, in ways that were really important. And so I saw that modeled for me, I think as a child, and, um, it's cool now with my own kids to think about that, um, in that, in that regard. Um, and so then I think that's sort of the start of it. Then I think there's sort of the theological interpretation that then builds, I think, as you really dive into the gospels and seeing where is Christ spending his time and who's he spending it with, um, he's essentially built the entire ministry on the backs of, a bunch of 12 guys who kind of had no business doing that. And then also women who were extremely mm -hmm. marginalized in that time, who no one would be connecting to talking to using in like any way toward important ends. So I think there's some really radical pieces that he did there that if you dive into those things, I think that's valuable. Um, and then lastly, I think to kind of sum it up in my work throughout Africa, um, man, I just got, I just got over this, like, uh, sort of white savior complex thing and trying to show up and help and like be this guy from America to try and help and rather go, man, I just want to make friends and see what happens with that. And how do I really kind of get, get, get connected to these, to these people relationally on a friendship way to kind of get as like even as possible. Um, and then just see where God leads from there. Mm -hmm. So I think those kind of things also helped navigate them. Throughout your life, Everything you do falls into the two categories Justin talked about. Things that go on your resume and things that others will say in your eulogy. I'm finding the real distinctions between these two are found in our identity and the relationships we have with others. While listening to an entrepreneur like Justin, it's tempting to look for all the ways you can emulate his success. But what he found at the end of over a decade with a successful company was that what mattered most was understanding who he was as a child of God and investing in the people around him. This is exactly what it's like in a lifestyle of discipleship. You have to know your identity as a child of God 
and you have to walk with others, not just for your benefit, but in service to them as well. And as you come to recognize who you are in Christ, the drive to prove yourself by creating an impressive resume begins to disappear. As you invest in relationships and walk with others, you begin to find that the work you wanted to do so badly is already happening in the everyday moments of life. So I want to challenge you to do something that might seem a little weird. First, update your resume. Be sure to include everything. Make it a list of everything you've done in life. Then take a break, come back, and write your eulogy. These are the things that could be said about you if someone were to look back over your entire life. If you struggle to come up with something, find someone you trust who can help you write it. And once you have both your resume and your eulogy, read them both and ask yourself, am I the person I want to be? Am I the person God is calling me to be? If you're honest with yourself, this could be an important first step in knowing your identity and serving with purpose. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Justin's work, check out justinzarati.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation where Justin unpacks the value of seasons in our lives and how God uses them to help us grow. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Oh, 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 oh,